Hello and welcome to Wineskins, a program featuring reflections on the lives of the saints and the sacred scriptures, along with a variety of topics and issues from a Catholic perspective. I'm your host, Father Jim Corna. Our show is sponsored by the annual Diocesan Appeal, the Catholic Communication Campaign, and St. Paul's Catholic Books and Gifts, a division of the Society of St. Paul. On our show today, I will interview Father Joe Whitmer. We will also hear more about the life of Blessed James Alberioni and the readings for this 29th Sunday in Ordinary Time. That and more on Wineskins. In our current issue today, we will hear from Father Ed Brenz. Joining me now is Father Ed Brenz, who is the Director of Missions and Propagation of Faith for the Diocese of Youngstown. Welcome back to Wineskins. Thank you, Father Corder. You know, Father Brenz, every time we talk, we spend time talking about missions. We also talk about the wonderful work you're doing at Cafe Augustine. We're going to talk about that at some other time. But let's focus on missions. Missions has been part of your lifeblood for a number of years and also part of the church. Why is mission so important for us as church? Jesus Christ came into the world on a mission. The mission was that we would know the mercy and salvation of God Almighty. And when he came into the world, it's so that we could notice that there are different ways to live, and there's different reasons that we can take hope that we could have eternal life. We're not condemned to just what we see. And in fact, we can actually bring heaven to earth right now as best we can so we have a foretaste of what's yet to come and then when we notice that we're working with jesus because let's face it if we're baptized into christ we're baptized into his mission and that makes every one of us who are baptized a missionary now some missionaries some of the baptized is what i'm trying to say some missionaries give by going to the missions Mm -hmm. That's a heroic thing to do because it's often under very difficult circumstances, if not physical, a lot of times political and economic. Mm -hmm. But other people are not able to go to the missions. I would say they go to the missions through their giving, and they support the missionaries. The primary way is by prayer. And in the old days when a missionary went overseas someplace, we didn't have the transportation, they were committed to spending their entire life there. And they knew they would die and be buried among the people that they were serving and reaching out to. And so we have a wonderful history of brave, courageous, and and dedicated missionaries who went for the love of Christ. At the same time, now that with the modern transportation since the 1950s and 60s, let's say, missionaries have the opportunity to travel around and to share their stories much easier. And now that we've got social media, we've everyone can be connected with Zoom meetings and so on. There's parts of the world that are just now beginning to hear the name of Jesus Christ. Hmm. That's why it's so exciting is because it's part of what it means to be baptized. We value our baptism. We value that gift of eternal life that's promised us. Why wouldn't we want it for somebody else? Well, we know for us as Catholic Christians that the work of evangelization will not be complete until everyone has heard the name of Jesus and embraces him. Let's talk briefly about missions here in the diocese. We know that there is a what we call a mission co-op. Explain that. Well, what happens is every year I get about 300 letters from bishops and mother superiors around the world, and they ask for the opportunity to visit our parishes. Mm -hmm. Let them know what's going on. Let them know that they're praying for us, Mm -hmm. and they tell us the needs of their people. Now, we've got relatively limited number of parishes. We've got 80-some parishes right now, and plane ticket is expensive. 
So each missionary, when they come, they've got to visit three, four, five parishes on that same plane ticket in order to make it worthwhile financially to even be assistance and not burden on the mission budget. So we give them the parish assignments. They come out and they tell you what's going on in the pews every summer. Every summer, every parish, every mass gets a missionary, and it's my job to coordinate those. The difficult part is we've only got 80-some parishes, and there's 300 letters. And every one of them is is heartbreaking. But what I take inspiration from is this. Rather than get depressed and dejected, every one of those, at the very last paragraph, they say, Father, we recognize that you have limited number of openings this year. And please know that we've been doing without the resources. But no, we're still praying for you folks. We hope you'll consider us next year. And in the meanwhile, we're trusting in the providence of God. And it's that sense of upbeat hope with difficulties that you and I could never imagine in our lives. But still, they have that hope, and they come over, and they're joyful. And one of my coordination jobs is to get them familiar with American English Mm -hmm. and expressions. Two weeks ago, I was teaching one of them uh, how to drive on the right side of the road because he learned in India, and he was confused with traffic signals. Why are these green and red and yellow lights blinking at me, and are they for me or for the car next door? There was an innocence. Mm -hmm. There was just a naivety that somehow or another they're facing life and death and the things that we're preoccupied with and that we take for granted, you know, for them, it's a hurdle. I just look back and I say, Lord, thank you for taking care of my brothers and sisters. What would you like to tell the folks that are with us about world missions? World missions, basically, they're coordinated under the Holy Father. They're coordinated under Pope Francis. And Pope Francis and all the popes before him have said, The work of the church must continue, and missions are about evangelization. If we need to do charities to get close to them and to reach them, that's fine. Do the charities. But it's all about evangelization, bringing people to know the love and mercy of Jesus Christ. And that's our preeminent task as Christians. Father Ed Brenz, Director of Missions and Propagation of the Faith for the Diocese of Youngstown, thanks for your many years of service in that regard. And thank you for bringing about God's kingdom through those missions. And thank you, Father. For Wineskins, I'm Father Jim Corda. The Feast of Blessed James Alberioni is celebrated in November. To tell us more about this founder of the Pauline family is Diana Hancherenko. She is the young adult minister at St. Angela Marici Church in Youngstown. James Don Giacomo Alberione was born in 1884 in Northern Italy. In 1900, young James Alberione celebrated the opening of the new century, kneeling before the Blessed Sacrament and feeling a call to follow St. Paul and announce Jesus Christ to the world in a 20th century fashion, with all the great communications that were coming forward. He committed himself to this. He founded for this apostolate the Society of St. Paul and nine other congregations and institutes. For Blessed James, a particular light seemed to come from the host and roused him in a sense of obligation to do something for the Lord and for the people of the new century. He felt obliged to serve the church with the new instruments provided by human ingenuity. On June 29, 1907, he was ordained a priest. He came to understand that the Lord was guiding him toward a new mission, to preach the gospel to all peoples in the spirit of the Apostle Paul using the modern instruments of communications. For the sake of charism and continuity, 
Such a mission needed to be carried out by consecrated persons because the works of God are performed by men and women of God. Thus, on August 20, 1914, Father Alberione initiated the Pauline family in Alba, Italy by founding the Pious Society of St. Paul. With the help of the first woman to join his cause, the Daughters of St. Paul were formed in 1915. Father Alberione lived to the age of 87, dying on November 26, 1971. In his last hours, he was comforted by the visit and blessing of Pope St. Paul VI, who had never hidden his admiration and veneration for him. On June 25, 1996, Pope St. John Paul II signed the decree recognizing the heroic virtues of Father Alberione, whom he declared blessed on April 27, 2003. Let us pray. God, you see that our trust is not based on human actions. Through your mercy, may the Apostle of the Gentiles protect us against all adversity. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. For Wineskins, I'm Diana Hancharenko. Joining me now is Father Joe Whitmer, who is a retired priest of the diocese, but longtime ecumenical officer. Welcome to Wineskins. Thank you, Father Corda. You know, the last time you and I talked, I think, was on a spotlight show where we basically talked about ecumenism and interfaith relations, and we kind of focused a lot on our Lutheran brothers and sisters and our dialogue with them. This year, we celebrate the 80th anniversary of the Diocese of Youngstown, so in our long history, we've had those ecumenical and interfaith relationships. Talk briefly about your experiences and how far they go back in the history of the diocese. Of course, the diocese was founded in 43. Vatican II happened 62 to 65. And that was really when a number of people started openly and sometimes officially making contacts with our brothers and sisters in Christ and with other faith bodies. My earliest memory was in Canton, Ohio, personally, when I was in high school and accompanying on the piano the Canton Police Boys Club Choir. And one of the older sisters of a choir member was getting married, all Protestants. And since I knew how to play the organ, could I play the organ for the choir who would sing at the wedding? And I had to ask five priests before I got one that said it would be okay. Mm. It was a long way. Sure. But then with Vatican II, of course, we were blessed to have Bishop Malone, whose personal relationship and friendship with people on a very warm basis was a, a blessing for our diocese. Contacts were made. Bishop Malone led four of the six Catholic dioceses in Ohio to join the Ohio Council of Churches. We were part of that, and Bishop Malone was president of the Ohio Council of Churches for a year, and two other people, one priest, one layperson, were presidents at different times. But in recent years, the bishops uh, decided to leave the Ohio Council of Churches, and uh, in the eyes of some, unfortunately. Right after Vatican II, Bishop Malone sponsored what was called the Vatican Review Days, bringing in scholars and taking a topic each time. And a lot of people would gather at the cathedral to hear the talk, ask questions, and, and certainly aroused enthusiasm. 
and which was a blessing for our church. In the late 60s then, after the Council, the Week of Prayer for Christian Unity was being celebrated and prayers taken in Greater Youngstown. We had each year uh, three events, one on the beginning of the Week of Prayer, January 18th, one on the 25th, and one on the Sunday in between. And one Protestant, one Catholic, one Orthodox. And speakers the same, but not in your own building. It was a real blessing, big turnout. One of those early years, I was chosen to be the Catholic speaker, and I got to speak in Third Baptist Church. After the event was over, going down to the reception, somebody said, wasn't that nice of Bishop Malone to be there tonight? <laughs> I said, really? <laughs> Glad I didn't know about it until now. <laughs> It was a good time, and not too long after that, I was asked to be the ecumenical officer of the diocese. Mm -hmm. And we had many different places, contacts. Priests were involved in the Youngstown Area Clergy Association, other in the Warren Area Clergy Association. A lot of good things happened. Let's talk about some of those things that are really going on now. You and I were part of the Lutheran Catholic dialogue for many years. Uh, we know that the John Chrysostom Society with the Orthodox brothers and sisters are meeting. We know many years there's been the Jewish Christian dialogue going on. How are those going and what's the climate of interfaith and ecumenical affairs here in the diocese now? Well, you're right. In the year 2000 was the beginning of the Society of St. John Chrysostom in our area. There is a national organization that was already there and continues, but that began here. And it's a trying to bring together clergy and laity of the Eastern Orthodox churches, the Oriental Orthodox churches, Eastern Rite Catholics, and Western Rite Catholics. It continues. Recent months, events go on. 1999 was the, at the international level, the joint declaration on the doctrine of justification. And a Lutheran layperson from the valley said to their ecumenical body, we ought to do something in the Mahoning Valley to acknowledge this. And so Bishop Marcus Miller approached uh, Bishop Tobin and decided not only that we should have an event, and we would do it on Reformation Sunday that fall. But Bishop Tobin said, I think we should not only have this event, but we ought to enter into a covenant and commit ourselves to prayer, study, and action together. And that met with a ready response. And that has continued. And these events, sometimes we've had education on various topics done at different parishes that were open to do that and also some worship times at least every two years to get the bishops together and usually a reception following where individuals, clergy, and lay people get a little more contact with each other. What is so important about that for us as we celebrate an anniversary year in interfaith and religious relationships? Well, the diocese is a young 80 years old. We've said the first 20 or 30 years of that, there wasn't a whole lot going on with ecumenism, but the energy that was expressed in the church worldwide and within our diocese continues, but it depends from time to time as individuals come and go. It, uh, as it were, warmed by ecumenism and others 
step aside for something else, but to keep moving ahead and welcoming new people to be part of the discussions. Well, Father Joe Whitmer, former ecumenical officer for the Diocese of Youngstown, thank you for sharing this kind of like overview of our relationships with other people of faith throughout these many years. And thank you for your work in providing that and also for supporting ecumenical and interfaith affairs. Thanks, Father Carter. To receive more information and to listen to Wineskins, visit the website www.catholicecho.org. Stay with us. We'll be back in a moment. I am Marinol. Je suis Marinol. I am Marinol. I believe that we are all connected to each other, and that it is the gift of compassion that unites us and makes us one. It doesn't matter what language, culture, or tradition we come from. We can share compassion wherever we are. Mary Knoll, an American Catholic organization of priests and brothers, has been reaching out to those in need for nearly 100 years in 26 countries throughout the world. Mary Knoll dedicates 86 cents of every dollar donated to their programs, and with your help, they can do more. Missionaries, workers, volunteers, supporters, we are all Mary Knoll. I am Mary Knoll. Yo soy Marino. I'm Father Mike. And I am Marino. 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 Our song today is by the Kellenberg Memorial High School Choir. It is from their CD entitled The Living Christ.
Our scripture reflections for this 29th Sunday in Ordinary Time will be by Deacon William Wanio. Today our gospel message is about service. We hear the famous question posed to Jesus. Is it right to pay taxes to the government? Is it okay to serve the emperor? Jesus' response is not what the Pharisees and those following them were looking for him to say. They tried to trick him into saying something that would incriminate himself. But in the end, Jesus pretty much says, to serve the emperor is the same thing as serving the Lord with all your heart. Give your taxes to the emperor, to Caesar, because that is what is asked of you. And give to God what is due to God. So what does this mean? What does Jesus mean by give to God what is due to God? It simply means we have to offer our lives by serving God righteously. We must try and ask ourselves, am I paying my taxes honestly? Am I giving to God the time that is owed to him? Do I help my brothers and sisters in times of need? Do I give glory to the Lord my God in every way that I can? Am I living my Christian life out of love and service to my family and community? Do I give to God what is due to Him? Paying taxes is not meant literally as paying taxes to our government, but in a Christian setting, taxes means giving God praise and glory by helping others and offering your life in service to our brothers and sisters. It means to give back to God what God wants from us as his own adopted sons and daughters. The Pharisees in the gospel is a symbol of the evil one. The devil always finds ways to mislead us from the good path we are trekking upon. Most of the time, if we are too gullible and weak, we are tempted to betray our Lord God and fall prey to the depths of the evil one. But if we have a strong faith and we stand firm through every test that the devil is plotting against us, then surely God will lift us up and will never again let us be shaken by the devil's evil ways. Our mission today is to strengthen our faith into one that even the devil cannot break. We do this through prayer by going to Mass and in receiving the sacraments. We do this by asking forgiveness when we have failed, not only to our merciful and all-loving God, but to those ones we have hurt in our own lives. These are not always easy tasks, and we do fail because it's part of our human nature, but we must understand that we are never alone. We are Christians, we are all in this journey of faith together, and God is walking with us. Listen to the words of Pope Francis, who reminds us often to accompany each other on this journey of faith. We cannot walk ahead of someone and hope that they will catch up, just as we cannot walk behind someone, watching their mistakes and failures, and using them to avoid our own. No, we must walk together, side by side, 
hand in hand with our sisters and brothers in faith. When we do this, we also walk humbly with our God who never abandons us. Our gospel today is an eye-opener for each of us. It simply reminds us to always pay a little more attention to the time that we offer to God, to the praise and thanksgiving that we offer to Him. We must strive with great effort to complete our responsibilities as Catholic Christians. We must always remember this little cliché. God, in everything I do, let not others praise me, but let them praise you. So offer everything this week to God, and for sure your life will be filled with many blessings. For Wineskins, I'm Deacon William Wanio. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar? Like Jesus' response in today's gospel, we cannot answer with a simple yes or no. It must be honestly weighed in the carefully balanced scales of Christian conscience. The probable answer is yes, but the eternal principle is this. Give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, but give to God what belongs to God. Wineskins is made possible by the annual Diocesan Appeal, the Catholic Communication Campaign, and St. Paul's Catholic Books and Gifts. The program is produced by the Roman Catholic Diocese of Youngstown. I'm your host, Father Jim Corda, wishing you a blessed Sunday and a safe week. We of Wineskins encourage all of you to pray for missionaries throughout the world. have you done for your marriage today? I gave my wife a hug this morning. I thought uh, I love her. I uh, did her hair this morning. I think it looks pretty good. <laughs> I cooked my husband's uh, favorite breakfast. I bought her an orchid. What have I done for my marriage today? I sent my husband a love email. I read the newspaper to my wife and it cracked her up. She's, but she's still laughing. <laughs> what have you done for your marriage today? Make a change for the better. Need help? Go to foryourmarriage.org. A message from the Catholic Church. They say America is the land of opportunity, but for some, life isn't so easy. Right now in America, one in six children lives below the poverty line. That's nearly 13 million children of all races all across our country. Where do you draw the line and get involved? You can make a difference in more ways than you think. Go to povertyusa.org today, because one in six children in poverty is one too many. A message from the Catholic Campaign for Human Development.